You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Can you imagine the stories that must have been told about being slaves in Egypt and having God demand that your people be let go by sending plagues that would affect the Egyptians, but not the people of God? Can you imagine leaving Egypt as slaves, plundering them as you left, being led by a cloud by day and a fire by night, feeling the pressure of being pursued by a much stronger enemy, getting to the Red Sea and feeling like hope may be lost, only to see God come through as he parts the Red Sea and you cross on dry ground, to get across and have that same sea close in on the pursuing Egyptians. Can you imagine the stories that must have been told that while the Israelites are wandering through the desert, they have food falling from the sky? Can you imagine having quail just come up in the evening for food? Can you imagine seeing all of that and doubting that God is going to come through? If I'm being honest with you, I sometimes read the Bible and think that I'm better than some of those people. Now, it's not something that I'm proud of, but it, it's true. I sometimes read and think, well, if I saw what they saw, then my faith would just never waver. The truth is that I've seen God come through for me. I've seen answered prayers. I've seen provision when I didn't deserve it. I've seen God do amazing things. And I've also forgotten just like the Israelites, at every single turn. I've wondered if God would still be faithful. I've wondered if God had my best interest in mind. I've wondered if God really loved me. Now, if that's you, or if you've ever had similar thoughts, I I think today may be for you. If if you find yourself doubting God, maybe relying on yourself, I, I think today may be for you. You see, we're talking about something that you may have heard of, but it's something that's really hard to practice, especially for me. God is not surprised by how easily we forget. He's not surprised by our bent towards self-reliance. He's not surprised that even through his faithfulness that we see throughout the Bible, we still often doubt his goodness. This is why God instituted the Sabbath. We get our word Sabbath from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which comes from a verb to cease or to rest. Now, I'm not sure what goes through your mind when you hear Sabbath. Maybe um, maybe you think about Pastor Chris being on sabbatical right now. Maybe you think of uh, not working. Maybe you think of Chick-fil-A. Well, whatever you think of, maybe you're like me, and your view of Sabbath is far too small. You see, the Sabbath goes all the way back to creation. God chooses to put a bow on creation with a day of rest as an example of how he wants us to operate. Read with me in Genesis chapter 2. We'll have the scriptures on, on the screen. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, 
God desires for us to devote time to rest. But it's more than that. Creator God also desired for us to see that in this new concept called a week, we're designed to rest and to rest in the one who gave the provision of creation. God made all of this. God creates. He speaks everything that is into existence. And on day six, he creates man and woman in his own image. All of that and the first item of business is, okay, Adam and Eve, let's take a day of rest. Is that crazy to anybody else? All of a sudden, they're brand new. They're just created. Let's take a day of rest. Now, God's not tired at this point. No, he's, he's setting an example for mankind of how we're designed to operate and to Sabbath. That day of rest is set up as a reminder of God's provision. Sabbath invites us to remember and to rest in God's completed work. In God's completed work. Fast forward and you see after the events that I recounted earlier, the Israelites are leaving Egyptian captivity and almost immediately after escaping the Egyptians, we see them grumbling. But in the midst of that, we also see God's provision. They are in the wilderness just a bit, and then all of a sudden they're grumbling because they're hungry and they're longing for food. They're wishing they were back in Egypt as slaves. God wants to provide, and so he rains down manna from heaven. Read with me in Exodus chapter 16. It says in verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. And then we're going to see that all of a sudden he's going to start sending quail in the evenings for meat. Uh, He's going to tell them to gather as much as they want to eat. He's going to say to not leave any over until the morning. And some of them leave it. And then uh, if they leave it, it ended up getting worms and started stinking. Yeah, kind of crazy. Um, But then if you keep on reading, in verse 22, so I'm going to jump down to 22. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over, lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid aside till the morning as Moses commanded them. And it did not stink and there were no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is Sabbath, there will be none. And then you're going to see people still go out on the Sabbath day. They're like looking for it. Wait, oh, it's not here. And uh, they're kind of reminded by that. Moses gets really angry. He's like, oh, gosh, guys, come on. Uh, and then in verse 29, he says, see, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now, as, um, as someone who is often thinking about where I'm eating next and what that meal is going to look like, I can identify with the Israelites when it comes to this faith exercise of Sabbath. Anybody else with me on that? Now, uh, can you imagine food is coming from the sky? This happens every day, and you can have more the sixth day because there's not, there's not going to be any coming on the seventh day. 
What an exercise of, of trusting God and trusting in his heart that he's going to provide. Can you imagine maybe that first Sabbath day and probably every single one after going out and not seeing any man on the ground? And then, I don't know, maybe just that wonder in your heart, like, is it going to come tomorrow? Like, I, I wonder. And, and over and over again, you start, start seeing that. Knowing myself, I'd probably be part of the camp who was over there collecting a little more, you know, trying to, trying to keep that. And then it starts getting worms and starts stinking, so it'd be terrible. But um, I, I can imagine myself doing that. But God invites the Israelites to rest on Sabbath. The truth is, now don't miss this, rest is an act of faith. Rest is an act of faith. Then we see God give his law, and he presents the commandment of Sabbath. So if you turn down to Exodus chapter 20, we see the Ten Commandments. And in verse 8, it says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now you see that the instruction is to remember. To remember God's goodness, to remember God's provision, and to not do any work, not for anybody in your family. And then God says that he blesses that day, and he makes it holy. The whole idea of that is that God is setting apart this day. This day of Sabbath is going to be distinct. It's not going to just be another day of the week. So instead, he's going to make it holy. He's going to bless it. But do you know what still strikes me as a bit crazy? Something that I've missed so many times before and maybe never really given it a lot of thought. I don't want you to miss the heart of God when it comes to Sabbath because I did. If, if, you, keep, if you read down in Exodus chapter 31, so turn over a few chapters, Exodus 31, you hear God talking again to Moses as he explains the Sabbath, kind of giving some more details on it. But don't, don't miss this. In verse 12 of chapter 31 of Exodus, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations, as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Now, my question is, how did I miss how blatantly important Sabbath is to God? How did I not take seriously what God takes seriously? I've read the Ten Commandments before. I've seen God's law. And at the same time, I've always thought maybe there were like certain commands that were a little more serious than others. But Sabbath was never very high on my list. How do I know? Because I've never given it the kind of consideration that it deserves. As I see this in Scripture, when the Bible emphasizes something, I like to take notice. 
But, but I miss this one. I miss the gravity of Sabbath. Why would God use capital punishment, the death penalty, for breaking the Sabbath? Why would the God of creation that created all, all of this say that above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths? Maybe, maybe no other gods before me, maybe no idols, maybe no murder, but Sabbath? Really? Now, before you start thinking of how unreasonable God is or how harsh he must be, think with me a little bit. So God institutes his law and listen to his idea. I want you to not work. I want you to come together with your friends and your family and enjoy a meal together once a week. Old Testament Saturday, right? This God wants me to take a break and enjoy food and time with my friends and family. Gosh, he's so oppressive, isn't he? Man, he's so mean. God says, I want you to not do any work and I want you to remember who I am and all that I've done. And I want you to do this over and over and over again. I want you to do this week after week. And he's going to throw some other festivals in there. All of those things pointing to the same God who is provider, who did all the work, who wants our trust to be in him and who he is. So why does God take seriously, so seriously, Sabbath? Why would his punishment be so harsh? Uh, I read a book from one of my friends. His name is Keith Ferguson. And uh, he wrote a book called The Sabbath and the Gospel. And I kind of did that in preparation for just being able to teach today. And he says in there, he says this, he says, The human race naturally bent towards self-reliance and self-salvation. Therefore, God, in his unending and unsurprised wisdom, knew that we needed a regular reminder to rest in his sufficiency. That reminder was and is the Sabbath. In that same book, Keith goes on to quote a, uh, a lady by the name of Lynn Babb, who wrote a book called Sabbath Keeping. And she says this, The Sabbath teaches us grace because it connects us experientially to the basic truth that nothing we do will earn God's love. As long as we are working hard, using our gifts to serve others, experiencing joy in our work along with the toil, we are always in danger of believing that our actions trigger God's love for us. Only in stopping, really stopping, do we teach our hearts and souls that we are loved apart from what we do. God takes Sabbath so seriously, I think because he knows us so well. He knows that our bent is towards self-reliance and self-salvation. This bent is what separates us from him. And then his law is there to show us just how much we need him. God was trying to show the rest of the world that his people were different. And that while the rest of the world was chasing after everything under the sun to satisfy them, God's people are over here resting. Can you imagine how distinct they look in comparison to the rest of the world? If they're not obeying this, the Israelite is basically saying that they're not interested in having God as their Lord. I've seen all you've done, God, and I'm good. I've got this. That same mentality is what you and I, and probably every single person on the face of this earth, continues to struggle with. So what does that mean for us? Should the elders of the church be uh, checking to see if you're working on Sunday and bring you to task? No, I don't, I don't think so. Um, this won't be a surprise for those of you who know him, because Jesus changes everything. He changes everything. 
So let's go to Mark chapter 2. So flip over to the New Testament, Mark chapter 2, and we're seeing Jesus walking through the grain fields with his disciples. And he says this, it says this, it says, One Sabbath, he, being Jesus, was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, presence which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So Jesus' answer to his critics, and his critics were always there watching, right? The Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders, they're over there, and he's basically saying that the Sabbath was supposed to be a good thing. It was supposed to be a helpful thing. And these religious leaders have transformed it into something oppressive. Now, now, isn't that something that we do so often? We take something that God has sent as blessing, and then we pervert it to make it more about us and how good we can be at keeping the law, doing this and doing that, and missing the entire point of why he did it from the start. He then recounts how David, in 1 Samuel 21, he ate bread that was intended for a Sabbath celebration because his men were hungry and This didn't bring God's judgment. No. Jesus then says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The truth is, the Sabbath's intent was to have us rest in the completed work of God. To look to Him to be our provider and our sustainer. It was meant for our own good. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath because the completed work of God is complete in Jesus. Jesus was the plan from the beginning to solve the separation of mankind from their creator, God. I think God takes Sabbath so seriously because all of it is intended to point to Jesus. That's why we see Paul in Colossians chapter 2 Say in verse 16, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. All of those laws, all of those festivals, all of those Sabbaths were just a shadow of things to come. Jesus is the completion of God's work on our behalf. He did what we couldn't while we were still sinners. Acts chapter 4 says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. But Jesus, do you see it? We're no longer under the law on this side of the cross. Jesus came to fulfill the law. Matthew 5. We're no longer resting in the shadow. Of God, one day bringing deliverance to those who rely on him. No, now we rest in the God put on flesh, light of the world. Jesus, who's come to dispel the darkness and bring lasting, true deliverance to God's people. We're invited to be back. uh, We're invited to be back in the presence of God Almighty through the work of Jesus. 
Even more than that, we can now have God live inside of us, take up residence in us through the Holy Spirit. So now, we don't have to follow Sabbath like someone under the law. We now have access to rest in God's completed work every day because his completed work has a name, and his name is Jesus. Well, let me be honest. Um, When it comes to resting in Jesus, I'm terrible at it. Okay? I'm terrible at it. Um, That's actually why I actually wanted to teach this, because I knew that I'd have to study and learn a lot more about it so that I could come and share with you. But what, what I see is that in order to truly rest in Jesus, it all starts with faith. Faith is believing that God is believing God at his word and trusting him to do what he says he's going to do, which, if you've been listening, is what Sabbath was there for in the first place, as that reminder on a regular basis of, of God's provision. Faith requires repentance and realizing that we cannot save ourselves, but instead trusting that Jesus did all the work to save us. We bring nothing to the table. Jesus did it all, and our salvation is accomplished through him. That is what Sabbath is all about. If, if you've never come to a place where you've put your faith in Jesus, then I'd invite you to do that today. Faith in Jesus is the start of Sabbath. Even having faith in Jesus, I still feel my tendency to think, man, if I just do a little more, if I do this or that, man, somehow God's going to love me more. I couldn't be further from the truth. So what I'm saying is that I need intentional times when I'm focused on Jesus and what he's done on my behalf on the cross. Like we talked about with the Israelites, we are prone to forget. So we need those regular reminders. Now, I don't know about you, but I go some days where I look back and try to remember, did I pray at all today? I mean, and, and all of a sudden, uh, right now, I'm trying to find, I'm trying to strive to find moments throughout the day where I can just focus on Him being King. In those moments, my focus is on the work that Jesus has done and resting in that fact. It's not do more and do this, and if you really love Jesus, then you'd go, no, it's not about that. This is a daily Sabbath where you can rest in the fact that Jesus is King and I am not. You are not. The beautiful thing about this is that it can be daily because we have access through Jesus. My actions are different when I am not thinking that it's all up to me. It is. So what does it look like to find regular times when you can rest in the work of King Jesus? Perhaps as you drive to work. Maybe when you're working out or uh, what, what time of day can you find something that triggers your reminder of King Jesus? Maybe you need to set an alarm on your phone and that just buzzes at a certain time each day just to kind of give you that reminder. Having these little moments in the day, it's a good start. But I also think as I look at Sabbath and I see God's intent behind it, that we also need some larger blocks of time in our week that we devote to resting in King Jesus. What would it look like if a day a week or perhaps split into a couple days, you were devoted to worship and family and food and just enjoying that time together? That day may change each week, but what I'm seeing is that I need, and I think you need, some intentionality in my life to make this happen. I need some margin in my life. 
I think you need some margin in your life. I, I, I think that's where we are. So I want to invite you to bring this to Jesus. Would you consider asking Jesus what he may have you do with your day, with your week, with your life? I, I wonder what he'd say about how he'd have you practice Sabbath as a family. We as a society don't rest very well. Most of us don't rest until we burn out or our health or our physical conditions demand that we finally figure it out. Because of Jesus, this is not a requirement that God puts on our life, but it truly is something that he invites you into through Jesus. The same way Sabbath was for the Israelites to look distinct in a world running ragged, I think Sabbath rest in Jesus today is going to look very unique in a day and age where everybody's also running ragged, right? I think you and I need some rest in Jesus. Would you just hear these words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 as he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That sounds good. That sounds good. That sounds like something we need. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, I'm so thankful that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. That you don't come and you just add all kinds of other stuff to our life of this, we have to do this, and uh, go and do that, and it becomes a, a list of rules. No, instead, God, you bring freedom. You bring and do all of the work that's necessary to make us right with God. And now we get to be in his presence every single day because of you. God, may we find those times in our day and in our week, in our months and our years, that we can just... Rest in the fact that you are God and we are not. You are God and we are not. Drive that home for us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.